Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Please go to the Good Grief host page to connect with me. The show is deepened so much by your comments and suggestions. Thank you for all of those that I've received. I'm thrilled to report that in the first six months of the show, Good Grief has had almost 12,000 listeners. I'm really overwhelmed by that. It's, uh, it shows how important the subject is, I think. Every one of my amazing guests can be found on my host page. Be sure and listen to the past shows to be inspired and illuminated. I know that is exactly what's happening for me every week. Today I'm here with Dr. Clifton Hicks. Dr. Hicks is the founder of Urban-Based Adventures, Adventure-Based Psychotherapy. He's also a psychiatric social worker for the Department of Public Health in San Francisco, California, providing individual group and family psychotherapy. In both capacities, Dr. Hicks specializes in the treatment of trauma for underserved children of color and their families in San Francisco and the wider Bay Area. Dr. Hicks has provided continuing education units, training to clinicians on adventure-based psychotherapy, conducted community-based seminars on trauma, and continues to provide ongoing in-service trainings to educators in the San Francisco Unified School District on helping traumatized children learn. Recently, he was spotlighted in the San Francisco Chronicle in an article called An Uphill Climb and highlighted in the RV Project blog, Climbing to Repair a Child. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors has also recognized his work. Welcome, Clifton. Oh, thank you so much, Cheryl. Really happy to have you today. Rock climbing is a psychotherapy intervention that really got my attention. Can you, can you share with readers somewhat how that works? Uh, sure. Um, uh, what I uh, provide uh, for children is an outdoor experience in rock climbing uh, as a therapeutic intervention. Um, if you're familiar with hiking, if you're familiar with mountain climbing, uh, then rock climbing is the next natural progression. Mm. Um, what I enjoy most about it is uh, watching the kids uh, when they first arrive at the rock climbing site and they look up and the first thought is, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but through the process of rock climbing in terms of securing harnesses and tying knots and setting anchors, uh, the kids uh, move forward and actually accomplish uh, what they thought they never could, could do before. And so that, I imagine, is kind of a lesson in, in their own capacity uh, that, might, that might spill over to other areas, huh? That's the idea. Um, we, what we want to do is build the capacities uh, in children that uh, their um, uh, unfortunate experiences have taken away, and, and what I'm talking about is trauma. Mm-hmm. And what we know with children with trauma is that there's a lot of conflict around do I feel hopeful or hopeless? Do 
I feel secure or insecure? Do I trust or not trust? Do I feel in control or not in control? And, and those elements are built into the rock climbing experience. You, you kind of have to, I've done a little rock climbing, uh, and, and I think, I, and certainly I had to conquer some, some of those issues even as an adult, um, and it was very empowering to actually do it. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing that would be even more true of a child, uh, you know, to do this kind of big deal thing, yeah? Well, we, we do, because um, I work uh, in this uh, modality with pre- and early, early adolescent children. So they're right at that developmental shift from being a child to becoming an adolescent. And in that process, um, we really push for the children to actually take responsibility for what they do and what they do with others during the rock climbing experience. So it's also a group experience, a kind of social social experience as well. Oh, oh yes, because it, it uh, you know we are social, uh, we are relational, uh, we do respond to what others uh, do um, with us uh, as well, and so in the rock climbing experience, um, children are paired up with each other uh, to climb, uh, to uh, keep each other safe, uh, to communicate with each other effectively as they're climbing, to make, making sure each other uh, is safe while they climb. We place those adult-like responsibilities onto the children while they climb. I could imagine that could really uh, connect with the, the issue of trust, you know, rebuilding trust that other people can be helpful to you and and um, come through for you. Do well, you find that, that happens? That happens, um, but it happens in a very specific way um, because we ask the children who they trust during the rock climbing experience. So, for example, uh, the the child who is ready to climb. Uh, is responsible for choosing his or her belayer. Huh. Now, in order to do that, you have to think about, well, do I trust Dr. Hicks to belay me, or do I trust another person to belay me, and why do I trust them to mm-hmm. keep me safe while I, while I climb? And I, and I have to tell you a, a funny story. Uh, one of the children uh, chose me uh, to belay him one moment, and uh, I was curious. I said, well, why did you choose me? And he said, because I know you have insurance. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. <laughs> Kids, yeah, that's, pretty, that's pretty vital, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't argue with them. Uh, we had a great time that day. <laughs> that's fantastic. So they all have their different reasons, though, I'm, I'm guessing. Some might say, well, I just feel comfortable with you. And some might say, you've had the most experience. Do you, do you find there's a ri- wide array of reasons why they might choose a certain person? Yeah, um, and, and the, the reasons why they choose the person are actually very good reasons. So we know we're helping um, uh, uh, children make better decisions about who they trust and who they don't trust. But on the other side of the coin, there are children who um, 
that sometimes don't choose the best person. Mm-hmm. And that's a moment to kind of stop things out there while we're climbing and have a little conversation. Because some children uh, with trauma histories will choose uh, knowingly or unknowingly um, others that may actually put them at risk. So, of course, there's some acting out uh, that goes on that we have to address. And when a child chooses another who is acting out, we sort of confront that decision uh, and help them to, to think through and talk about whether or not that was actually a good decision. And it's through that process that a lot of good things happen. Not only are we supporting the child to kind of rethink their decision-making, we're also supporting them to make a better decision. With the other child, we're actually confronting him or her about their behavior and whether or not their behavior is trustworthy. That seems especially important to me in terms of the... the, um phenomenon of kind of replaying uh what what has gone wrong mm-hmm. in relationship mm-hmm. it seems to me if you if you actively address that in the kids that's less likely to continue into their adult relationships and that's the whole idea uh Cheryl we want to uh, we rework those attachments uh that were lost through trauma uh and this is just one example such that as the children get older, they are more satisfied or feel more satisfied in relationships to others. That's, that's a wonderful, uh, you know, backdrop to the fun they are probably having too, yeah? Well, I guess that's once the... Op- they, once that's- they get over the fear, it's probably pretty fun if I, speaking from my experience as someone with height phobia who did it, you know. Oh, um, um, yeah, once, once the, the, the children overcome their fear, uh, we know we have done our work because in order for a child to overcome their fear of rock climbing, uh, that's a little bit of a process that takes some time. Sure. Um, and we go out, we take kids out rock climbing for 10 sessions. And on the front end of things, of course, the children are very fearful and and anxious-ridden and all. And it's during the course of repetition and predictability and checking the harnesses and encouraging kids to tie their own knots over time. By the end of the 10 sessions, the kids are doing the whole rock climbing thing on their own. Mm. I'm just watching. I'm a spectator Mm. at at that point. And and do you find they become more trustworthy? Uh, for, for instance, by the end, can you usually approve of their choices because they're either choosing a better option or the person who wasn't such a good option has become a better option? Those are the things that happen out there uh, while we rock climb. This, this, this transformation occurs uh, in the children while they're doing something that doesn't feel like therapy. For sure. Have most of the kids been working with you in therapy uh, before they participate in the program, or is that uh, varied? It varies. Uh, Some of the participants are my own patients. Uh, Many of them are not and, and are referred 
by other um, agencies uh, and other clinicians. Uh, so uh-huh. we have we have a mixture of of kids in the group who know me and who don't know me. And so you know, as a therapist myself, obviously that's that's an unusual phenomenon, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To to kind of break the wall. Um, and and but it makes all the sense in the world to me. Do you ever uh, have a hard time getting people on board with that? Either parents or referrers, or or do they have? Do the people who bring kids to you, you know, kind of know your program enough that that's no longer an issue? Um, well, there, there are uh, folks who know about my program, um, but those who don't, Cheryl. Um, when this idea is uh, mentioned as a, a potential treatment modality, by and large, the response from parents is yes. Uh, you know, I want my child to participate in that program. It's almost intuitive that parents know that being outdoors, uh, uh, being with uh, other children uh, in a group, uh, working together um, Getting fresh air, getting exercise, is good therapy. Uh huh. So that that helps you a lot. Maybe that's, uh, you know, less of a thing with kids since so much kids therapy does happen in group settings, just a lot more commonly than adults, I guess, at this point. Yes. Uh, that that's not to suggest that there isn't concern and anxiety associated. Uh, with uh, uh, adventure-based psychotherapy. So we have uh, an orientation for families uh, where the the children and the caregivers uh, can attend without any commitment and learn about what the program is all about. And they get an opportunity during that time to ask their questions. And certainly uh, outdoor rock climbing is not a risk-free activity. And that is made very clear uh, in the orientation. Uh, and I review, you know, the dangers of engaging in such a program with mm-hmm. the idea that their children will learn how to mitigate those dangers, um, climb safely, and have fun. And given that, you know, the parents are also aware that the kids are potentially in situations that are dangerous over which they have no influence, I'm imagining it's kind of empowering for the parents ultimately to feel as if their kid can participate in, you know, a a slightly risky endeavor, but within safe, a safe context and kind of um, conquer it. Yeah, I think, I think the parents feel that the holding environment that I'm able to create, uh, even given the risks of rock climbing, is adequate enough for their child to feel in control over risky situations, dangerous situations, such that they can make decisions, manipulate their world in a way to make it safer for them. That uh-huh. is exactly what happens out there when we rock climb, which mirrors very closely to perhaps uh, situations they've been in before 
where, where the children didn't feel that level of control. And, and also where they were perhaps responding more impulsively. I, I, I'm guessing you're also teaching them to think it through. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we, we do slow things down. We do a lot of processing um, on the front end of the day before we go out and on the back end of the day after it's over uh, to help you know, assess the conflicts that came up, the feelings, um, the challenges, the successes. Um, that's a very important part of adventure-based psychotherapy. Uh-huh. So there's kind of a, of an automatic, um, uh, feedback system for the kids too. They're learning to, uh, observe themselves. Yes. Uh-huh. And, they, and, and not, uh, not only observe themselves, uh, from sort of an ego capacity perspective where we can kind of stand outside of ourselves and look in. But they also, the children also are observed by the other kids in the group. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the peer interaction and the feedback that is also so valuable to traumatized children. And you get to guide them to give each other that feedback in a relatively kind way, I'm sure. Well, <laughs> which well, as which you know, kids are not always kind. good at automatically. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not automatic, uh, yeah, but that's yeah. why we're there. And yeah. Certainly there are conflicts, inter, uh, peer interactions that are very conflictual that occur mm-hmm. out there because mm-hmm. it is new. Um, the kids are getting to know each other. Um, they're not sure whether they feel safe sure. or they trust or any of that. But that's our, that's our work. That's our yeah. job. Clifton, it's time for our first break. Uh, came quickly. Listeners, you can go to goodgriefatvosamerica.com to find links to my work and all of the previous Good Grief shows. And you can go to ubatraumatherapy.com to learn more about Dr. Clifton Hicks' work. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is Cheryl Jones, the host of Good Grief. You can also, you can go to my host page and you can also go to my website, www.weatheringgrief.com to subscribe to my newsletter, receive information about upcoming shows, and learn more about the work I do. Today I'm talking with Dr. Clifton Hicks, who founded a psychotherapy method that integrates rock climbing into treatment for trauma in children. Clifton, I, I want to know more about what brought you to this work. You know, it's not a, um, a usual thing, you know, to put therapy and rock climbing together. And I'm imagining that, that there were things in your life that put those together for you. Can you talk some about that? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, our, our experiences really drive uh, what we do uh, in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, looking at my family, um, you know, I, I look at my aunts who were uh, care, caretakers. Uh, one, one of my aunts was, aunts was a, a teacher. Another one was a nurse. And, and my dad worked with uh, uh, handicapped adults, uh, physically challenged adults. And, and so it, it seemed to be part of who I was uh, or who I am uh, to work with uh, service, uh, to provide services. Uh, to others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, if we look at a biological perspective, I think that that was in my blood. Um, mm. And then growing up, um, I was very fortunate to have um, experiences uh, in the outdoors that really, um, in looking back, uh, uh, made me feel better. Uh, because I grew up in, in uh, you know, a very stressful environment in Boston. Uh, my mother was a single mom of three kids, me being the youngest. And um, we lived in public housing, and we were on welfare. Um, and uh, uh, going outside uh, was not always a safe thing to do. Mm. And so um, when I became of age, um, my mother allowed me to go to a camp called Camp Hale for inner city kids um, up in New Hampshire. And when I went there, it uh, was literally, I guess, a breath of fresh air for me. And <laughs> it seemed like home. So it just immediately fit for you. Were you excited about going when you left to go? Because I, I've I, known a lot of inner city kids who are kind of 
you know, the outdoors, that's not for me <laughs> kind of thing. But nope. for you, was it, was it um, in advance a pleasure? It, it was. Um, and, the, and the main reason it was was because um, my friends were going to this camp, too. Ah, key. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's key. Uh, and so it made the transition uh, very easy for me. Um, I didn't know that I would like the outdoors. I just knew that I was with my friends who liked the outdoors uh, until I got there, of course. And then it just was your thing. Then it was just my thing. I, I, felt, um, I felt like the camp was a safe place for me to be. There was, uh, there was a structure in place that uh, I appreciated in terms of you had to make your bed and you had to sweep your floor and you had to be in line on time for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, but outside of that, you got to pick your own activities. You got to go canoeing, uh, mountain climbing, uh, hiking, uh, arts and crafts, and it was really, it was, it was something that came to me at the right time of my life. You know, it makes me think of my daughter, who, um, very talented person, my youngest child, who just childhood wasn't made for her. <laughs> in a way. Mm. And, but every year she went to a circus and performing arts camp. Yes. And I, I do believe it saved her life. You, you know, you, you do believe it saved her life. I do believe it saved her life, made the, made the life she has now, mm-hmm. you know, which in which she's um, just doing so many amazing things. And based on the values she, she learned there. And the capacities she grew there. So I, I feel sort of personally connected. I hadn't realized that until just now when we were talking. But personally connected to that sense of going outdoors, challenging yourself within a safe structure. Yeah. And what that really does give children, especially um, kids who need that for whatever reason, you know, need it more for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I think all kids need that combination of feeling safe enough, but also free enough to manipulate your world in mm-hmm. the way that we're talking. Um, and I also agree with you that uh, kids who have experienced trauma or ongoing trauma in their lives, particularly in early childhood, need it or benefit from it, uh, those kinds of programs, even more. That's why, you know, urban-based adventures and uh, Adventure-based psychotherapy, um, you know, is really grounded in in that camp experience uh, that that I had when I was nine or ten years old. It's something I was uh, uh, I'm appreciative of having in my life at the time. And adventure-based psychotherapy is something that I just want to uh, expose other children who have similar experiences that I had to be able to access and take advantage of. The other thing that that really stood out to me in the article about your work is that I happen to know the location where you do it. Yes. Which is right in the city. Yes. And so, and uh, actually my, my niece and nephew went to preschool in that Canyon. (laughs) And, um, and, the idea that kids can see that there's outdoors 
right in the city with them uh, seemed wonderful. Oh, not that it not a, it, that it replaces a camp experience or going away, uh-huh. but that they feel there's an access to outdoors right where they live. Yeah, it's a gift uh, to have that resource and other resources like that here in San Francisco. You can you can literally go into Glen Canyon Park, as you know, and feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely, and you have to walk in too, and you have I, to walk which in, which I find fascinating. And you know, that I, there's a place I, in the city like that. And I bet you didn't know that there was rock climbing there. I had no idea until I read the article. Well, now the secret is out. The secret is out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you're, uh, we're talking basically generally about the program and how it works and where you do it and all that. But I wonder if there's a particular kid that pops to your head that you could kind of uh, let me and the listeners know about, you know, how the, the program impacted. Um, oh yeah. Uh, sure. Uh, a lot of kids, uh, come to mind. Um, so I'll just choose one. Um, and, um, this, uh, this particular young lady, um, I think she was maybe, um, uh, 12 or 13 at the time. Um, she, um, was referred to the group, um, because, uh, she refused to speak. She was selectively mute, as we say in the business. Mm-hmm. And her therapist thought that this would be a great experience for her and may actually help. So, um, you know, typically we don't uh, have a whole lot of, uh, girls referred to the group. Um, so that was a very unique experience. Mostly uh, boys are referred. Um, and I think she was the only girl in the group at the time. Um, and what she did, uh, the, the way she grew um, was quite phenomenal, such that at the start of the group, of course, she was very quiet, and, but present, but very quiet, uh, didn't really engage uh, with the other uh, kids in the group at the time. By the end of the group, um, she was not only the best rock climber we had, and uh, she also uh, put on her harness, tied her knots, and climbed to the top of the climb blindfolded. Wow. She was the only one to ever do that in my experience. And I've been doing... um, adventure-based psychotherapy for a very long time, close to 25 years. Wow. And is that something you suggest, but most kids don't take you up on it? Or did you just have a feeling that she would go with you? Well, it's, it's part of the growth process. So as kids master one level of climbing uh, with all that goes into that in terms of trust and safety, uh, we, we do... Uh, give the option of advancing their skills. So uh, there are climbs that are uh, more difficult than other climbs, and we would sort of move kids to push themselves to and challenge themselves. Using blindfolds is the next step in that process. Uh. And she, she, she chose to do it and was very excited to do it. In fact, when she got to the top, of course, the selective mutism symptom 
disappeared, and he was talking to everybody. <laughs> that must have been a moment. You know, it was a moment, Cheryl, and, and uh, the moment is really captured in one of my co- what one of my colleagues said uh, a couple years ago. And after she had referred her client to adventure-based psychotherapy, and after it was over, she came up to me and she said, you know what, Cliff, you did uh, in 10 sessions what would take me a year to accomplish with my client. Mm. Nothing like experience to, to teach and, ch- and change us, huh? I think that's what it takes. And it's, it's the experience, but also the relationships that are formed in those experiences. Yeah. Also, I hear in that uh, a kind of, you're not saying this, but I feel in talking to you a sort of sense of acceptance that if a kid isn't ready for something, you're not going to make them do it. And they probably feel that. And that actually perhaps invites them more to try. Um, I couldn't have said it better. Um, the idea of uh, adventure-based psychotherapy is not to force kids to climb. The idea is to meet uh, the child where they're at and help them to move to the next level, whatever that is for them. And I'll give you a quick example. There was, a, I think, a 10-year-old boy. I think he was 10 years old at the time. Um, when we hiked out to the climbing site, climbing site in the back of the canyon, he needed to hold my hand. All the kids are independent, but he needed to hold my hand. By the end of the uh, 10 sessions, not only did he not need to hold my hand, but he put on his harness, tied his knot, and climbed halfway up the climb. I, I, would, I, I consider that a huge success for him. Huge, huge. Such a, such a wide distance, really, from beginning to end. And I but think not, not to compare him to anyone else, just him in comparison to himself. That's exactly right. Um, and so we, we have to treat the individual as the individual. Uh, knowing that the dynamics of the adventure-based psychotherapy program is such that there's this uh, support there's this level of interaction with others uh, whereby a child has uh, almost no choice but to improve over the course of the program. That also speaks to uh, expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, kids being in an environment where they, um, it's assumed that they can do well. And, Absolutely. you know... The research, of course, makes a really strong case that's a, that that's, that's a big deal. You know, what people around you, teachers, leaders, therapists, are expecting of you. Yeah? Well, you know, the, ex- the, the idea of expectation can be um, so powerful. Um, and you're right. Kids do feel it, even when it's not stated. Um, and... Um, to, you know, for a lot of uh, caregivers, um, the expectations for their kids, at least the, the kids I work with, are not appropriate, I would say, mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Um, and for uh, children, uh, 
and, and families to see that um, uh, the, the success uh, and feel the success um, from from the first time we go out rock climbing to the last time is a very powerful experience for not only the child uh, but for the caregiver who may not feel that uh, uh, other providers have their child's best interest at heart. Yeah, and and I I know as a parent too. Sometimes uh, what my children were able to do with other people, you know, the the parent-child relationship's a little different on that score. Right. Um, but being able to uh, observe them, what they could do with their teachers or their mentors, or informed me as a parent about their capacity. And was actually very comforting to me as a parent. Oh, they're going to be okay. They can do that out there, you know, um, even though, you know, we're fighting over the room or whatever, you know. Oh, I think it's vital that parents know that they are properly training their children, if I can put it that way. Yes. Um, and the only way most of us know, because I'm a parent as well, that we're doing a good job is when we get feedback from the outside world that our children are behaving or doing well or something like that, right? Yeah, that they have a strong core, I guess. That they have a strong core. Um, So what we do to promote that in the Adventure-Based Psychotherapy Group, Cheryl, is on the last session, we invite the family members, the caregivers, uh, extended family members, to come out and watch uh, what their kids have achieved and what they can do out there. That must be an exciting day, too. Do the kids kind of puff up because they get to show everything that they learned? The kids are pumped up. They're puffed up. Uh, they're on task. Uh, they're excited. Um, there's no wasted energy. Uh, they're having a good time. They do it all. Uh, hmm. the family members are taking pictures and, and videos and, and uh, saying, wow, I can't believe my, what my child can do. Um, <laughs> just fun time the last session i'd like to be a fly on that wall sometime (laughs) (laughs) it's time for our second break in these few minutes listeners go to my host page good grief at voiceamerica.com or the website www.weatheringgrief.com to contact me for work in therapy as a consultant or speaker for your organization. And to reach Dr. Clifton Hicks, you can go to www.ubatraumatherapy.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
we're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm Cheryl Jones, your host, and I've been talking with Dr. Clifton Hicks, director and founder of Urban-Based Psychotherapy, which integrates rock climbing and therapy for traumatized kids. So and I'd really like to hear where you think urban-based therapy is going or where you'd like it to go. And, I, and I'm also curious, did the Chronicle art, uh, article, you know, send a bunch of people your way? Did that have an impact on, on uh, people knowing about your work? Yeah, we, we, we received a lot of uh, great response uh, from people who read the article. Um, uh, 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 families uh, ha- uh, contacted me. Uh, other youth workers uh, uh, contacted me. Um, educators, uh, grant writers, um, bloggers. So the response was was very uh, enjoyable after the article was printed. It, it, yeah. And, you know, especially you've been doing it a long time, but um, getting that kind of visibility can really take it to another place. Uh, I've noticed that with, um, you know, some of my other guests that um, they're plugging along doing something and then, I don't know, they give a TED Talk or they, you know, something gets their their work out there and it can be, be really uh, kind of astronomical. Yeah. It- it, it was. Um, um, again, I was very delighted by the response. And if, if I were to kind of identify a common thread, uh, it was uh, that everyone got it, right? This uh, makes sense to everybody. Yeah. And, and they're wondering, why aren't we doing more of this? And so in, in terms of where I want to take uh, adventure-based psychotherapy, again, I just want to create a platform to increase the availability of this treatment modality to as many children as possible. And um, to do that, I'm really looking to partner with other organizations, community-based organizations, uh, schools, mental health facilities who uh, work with uh, traumatized children to connect them uh, to this treatment modality to kind of repair, restore, and rebuild uh, the attachments that were lost, lost through trauma through adventure-based psychotherapy because it, it works. It, yeah. It's useful. It uh, has efficacy, and the children enjoy it. The children don't see it as therapy. 
The children right. see it as something that, oh, my God, this is going to be a lot of fun, or I want to try this. They see it as adventure. <laughs> they see it as adventure, exactly. Are there kids for whom it doesn't work? Uh, I mean, I don't know how to define work, of course, but um, kids for, for whom it's maybe not helpful? Or do you find that every kid who finds their way to you gets, you know, gets out of it uh, something valuable? Yeah, well, well, that's the uh, the other aspect of rock climbing that I enjoy is that just about anybody uh, can do it. Um, those uh, kids who are not traditional or athletes in traditional sports such as soccer or baseball or football or basketball, volleyball, tend to do really well uh, in this treatment modality. Um, even uh, kids who have disabilities, physical disabilities, um, uh, can participate in this activity. Boys and girls, there's no differentiation uh, mm -hmm. that way. So gender is not an issue. But we are concerned about uh, making sure that uh, children at high risk uh, uh, may not be appropriate for adventure-based psychotherapy. And what I mean by that is that if a child is, for example, actively suicidal, Sure. Then we want to provide some other treatment before we get to adventure-based psychotherapy. And that probably happens somewhat naturally with the kids that you're treating, for instance, because you would, you would have a handle on that if you're working with them uh, in your office. Yeah, uh, yeah there, there would be an uh, automatic screening process uh, that would identify uh, those kinds of symptoms. And, and, of course, the referral wouldn't occur. Mm -hmm. Right, until, until they were ready in exactly. some, in some yeah. way. Um, I, you know, you had an experience of being outdoors. It sounds like there were a ton of activities where you were at the camp. And you chose rock climbing. And I'm thinking that there's something very important about that choice because, of course, there are other things you can do outdoors that are a challenge. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm -hmm. can you can you talk a little about why rock climbing really captured your attention for this work? Yes. Um, the reason why I chose rock climbing is that out of all of the outdoor activities one could engage in, rock climbing is the safest. Ah, that's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? That is very counterintuitive. And what I tell the kids, if we're in the van and we're driving to Glen Canyon Park to do climbing, what I tell them is that driving to the park is far more dangerous than climbing at the park. <laughs> uh-huh. That shows the difference between um, literal danger and internal danger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. they're learning something about that, too. There's a lot that they learn. There's a lot in, uh, that goes on internally that I may or may not be privy to, but I hope that whatever it is, uh, they can manage and they uh, are better for the experience. For sure. Now, you said you've been doing this 25 years. Yeah. Did I hear that right? You did hear that right. Uh, are there some 
some, uh, you know, participants who were kids who are now grown-ups that you kind of can see the long-range impact? Does, does anyone ever come back and, you know, talk to you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I do. Uh, I have had that um, that wonderful uh, opportunity. Um, I don't track kids after the program, but I have uh, I have had uh, past participants um, contact me and uh, uh, thank me for having them participate in this program. And others who have contacted me have actually come back which is an amazing process, actually have come back and volunteered their time to work with kids that are currently in the group. They must be such good, good helpers, uh, assistants, having experienced it themselves. Well, they, they can relate to the kids in ways that I could never, because I'm not a kid. Yes. Um, and they're young adults now, and kids will relate to them much differently and in, in, in a healthy way, I would say. Mm-hmm. And the fact that kids who have been in a group before think about me when I'm not around and actually uh, contact me uh, to re-engage with me is one of the uh, classic signs of healthy relationships. Absolutely. And it also... Um to me, you know, if one person is doing something like you're doing urban-based psychotherapy, um, there can be an issue with it continuing. But if people are continuing to engage with it and it's alive and spreading, as it were, that, that must give you a lot of encouragement for it continuing beyond you. Yes, in, in the way I, I want to have this continue in all the ways that you're talking about is by providing a series of services uh, that sort of capture that. So Urban-Based Adventures provides clinical seminars if you're more astute and, and academic. Um, of course, there's the group treatment that we've been talking about today. Mm-hmm. The individual treatment, uh, if there are individuals who want to do this just one-on-one, we provide that. Uh, family treatment, I've taken families out as a unit uh, to do adventure-based psychotherapy around communication, parent-child communication. But there's also the sort of experiential training that uh, we provide to uh, youth workers who want to gain this expertise uh, to uh, provide uh, these kinds of services to perhaps the kids that they're working uh, with. Uh, team building, um, you know, getting youth workers together to kind of improve their communication and effectiveness in working with kids. Uh, Urban-Based Adventures also provides coaching and evaluation of uh, uh, adventure-based uh, psychotherapy services, so it doesn't necessarily have to be rock climbing, but if you're taking kids out hiking or mountain climbing, uh, we provide consultation. And then a certificate program, if you really want to become an expert in this and do this on your own, uh, we we provide for that as well. Oh, that's that's fantastic. So all of those services, uh, they just would contact you through your website to uh, get involved there, huh? Yeah. I, you know, just serendipitously, I've been actually interviewing quite a few people that work with youth. So I'm going to have to <laughs> connect all of you because there's it's an amazing amount of common perspective 
that people who are working with youth have, um, who are working with youth who are facing traumatic environments in particular, and how you uh, how you can um, support kids in in that kind of circumstance, which I just think is so vital. As as someone who lives in Oakland, I'm very, you know. Uh, fired up about having those things available. Well, if uh, so, you do a great job in connecting people, and I think that's the healing part of just about anything that we do as people. Um, mm-hmm. so I would love to connect to to folks who you think might be interested in this uh, program, and also to let folks know that um, we provide scholarships. So, you know, if there's a, a financial uh, issue, uh, we will. Uh, work with that uh, very easily. That's really good to know. You know, we just have a few minutes left, and I was interested in having you just talk for a couple minutes about if if you could um, uh, get the message out to those of us living in the community, what do you want us to know to support kids who've experienced trauma? I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, in about a minute or so, because we're, we're near the end. Sure. Um, what, I, what I want the community to know, that if a child suffers a traumatic event or has suffered a traumatic event, that there is effective treatment out there to address the symptoms that go along with that. Mm. I guess that, that would be my, my main uh, point. And, and, you know, simple and vital, because I think there's a way that uh, we as a community sort of give up. Yes. You know, um, kids have experienced terrible trauma, and we just kind of say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily, I mean, those of us who work in therapy don't, but as a community, I feel we do kind of give up. So that's, that's the most important message to, to me as well. I want to really thank you for being here today. And we will connect around, uh, you know, the people you have stuff in common with. <laughs> and for all of you out there, go, go learn more about Clifton Hicks' work at yubatraumatherapy.com. Next week, join me when I welcome Rachel Naomi Remen, the New York Times bestselling author of My Grandfather's Blessing, and Kitchen Table Wisdom, and founder of Commonweal, a research and retreat center for cancer patients. Thanks so much for listening today. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week.